Hey guys, thanks so much for coming to our basic flower farming course. We're going to cover some of the like most fundamental things that you need to know to get your flower farm started today. Um, and I have a victim today. Uh, <laughs> my friend Nadia is here and um, we went to school together and she wants to start a flower farm. So Nadia loves flowers and um, she loves giving flowers to friends, making arrangements, that kind of stuff. Um, and last year she was growing a few pretty little zinnias in her garden and um, so she's been think starting, thinking about starting a flower farm on some scale or another for a while um, but some of the logistics of things and how to get started is just a little, little bit overwhelming so she hasn't taken the leap yet so since you're here for the basic class I'm assuming that you're probably in a similar boat um, you're wanting to get started you're very interested but you're not sure what are the first actions you need to do to, that are you know something that you can do to get started so we're going to just break that down today a little bit i want to know how many of you are actually already a farmer like a flower farmer okay how many are just vegetable farmers okay so we have a lot is there anybody here who's just like a backyard gardener Okay, we have some of you too. So um, I think that this information will be good for any scale that you do. Obviously, if you already have a farm or a flower farm or a vegetable farm, you'll have a, um, a bit of a head start. Um, but I think we're gonna, we're gonna have a good conversation here today. Okay, so in order to successfully execute her first year in, in business, I've kind of broken it down into 10 absolute essentials that Nadia must have or else her farm is kind of going to be a failure. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to have a whiteboard here, but somehow I didn't get my whiteboard. So um, I just want you guys to name off to me some of the things that you think that are absolute essentials for starting a flower farm. Water. Water, okay, very good. Bees. Bees, very good. Soil. Soil. Anything else? Tools. Tools? Tools? Okay, very good. Seeds, yep. Cooler. A cooler. Okay, so yes, um, here's my list. Seeds are, is on the top there. Soil, water, sunshine, maybe a shovel, and then um, a bucket, a pair of clippers, a plan is very, very essential. That's a business plan, a schedule, recipes, and pricing lists. Um, Nine would be customers. You need customers, right? Um, and 10 is a lot of determination and a little bit of creativity. Now, there was a couple runner up, runners up here um, that you don't necessarily have to have or you'll fail, but they're very helpful. Google, you, in your first year of farming, there's no shame in living off of Google. Um, second is fertilizer and third is a cooler. You can. Um, run a flower farm without a cooler, but it is a huge, huge help to have the cooler available. Um, it just makes the logistics of everything a lot easier. Oops. Uh oh. Let's see. Okay, so um, our 10 basic items. Do you think you can do that, Nadia? Like, is that something that everybody can do? They can have water, they can have seeds, they can have soil, a shovel, right? Um, so, let's see. Sorry. The biggest question on everybody's mind when they want to start a flower farm, what do you think that is, Nadia? Where do I get my seeds? Yeah. Um, where do you get your seeds? What seeds should you grow? All those kinds of things. So, um, there are five ingredients of a bouquet, and I like to direct people to the five ingredients of a bouquet when we're talking about um, what ingredients we should think about growing. Um, there has been so many times when I've had a, a new farmer or someone who's interested in farming walk up to me and be like, but what should I grow? And the answer is, I don't know what you should grow. Um, every person's 
um, situation is different, everybody's climate is different, it affects what flowers you grow. Um, so there's a little bit of research that you have to do yourself um, that I can't do for you. But there's some basic principles behind this that um, are very helpful in, um, in knowing how to go about bringing down your selection of seeds um, to something that's manageable for the size of the farm or garden that you're doing. So the first is um, greenery. Um, and the second is focal flowers, spike, air, and whimsy. And then filler. Um, so greenery is the very foundation of every bouquet that you make. When you um, choose what varieties you're going to grow, you want to actually grow at least, well, up to 50% greenery um, because that is the basis of every bouquet that you make. Um, it's very difficult to make a bouquet if you don't have greenery to fill it up. And actually, you can make your flowers stretch a lot further. If you only have a few flowers to work with, you can make them stretch a lot further if you have a bunch of greenery than if you're just doing bouquets with, with flowers. So greenery is a super important um, ingredient. Does anybody have ideas of what would be a really good greenery for Nadia to use or a new farmer to use? Yeah. Ferns. Okay, that is a really good idea. Um, I do caution you though, if you have ferns out in the woods, if you go and pick, out, uh, pick the ferns out in your woods, certain varieties will go crispy overnight. Um, and so there are florist varieties of ferns that are very good um, to use with um, your arrangements. I absolutely love using ferns, but I actually learned the hard way uh, <laughs> the part about using ferns. I was doing my friend's wedding and she wanted ferns and so I went and foraged ferns and then had to redo all her bouquets. So, um, okay, any other greenery suggestions? Bells of Ireland are an excellent, excellent greenery. Everybody loves Bells of Ireland. Like, if you have Bells of Ireland, I might have a picture coming up here, um, and I'll point it out. But it's a long spike with a bunch of green bells all the way down um, the stem, and people are so attracted to it. So it's a very good one. Anybody else? Sorry? Buplerum. That one is a great one for springtime. Um, it can be hard to start if you're doing um, it in soil blocks, but direct seeding Buplerum is a very good option. Eucalyptus? Eucalyptus is a great one, especially if you live in a warm climate. It grows very slowly, but it's a good one. Green Ami? <coughs> green Ami, yeah. So Queen Anne's Lace um, can be used as greenery. Um, let's see if I have... Oh, here is a picture of Bells of Iron, right here. So, it's a, it's a very fun one. Um, okay, here is my top 10 greeneries that I like to use. Raspberry, um, it's an excellent one, especially if you're doing larger arrangements. It has a lot of structure to it. Um, and so if you're doing an arch or a large centerpiece or something, you really, 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 really want raspberry, <laughs> okay? Um, Bells of Ireland, like we mentioned, everybody loves them. Persian Crest is another one that is excellent. I really love Persian Crest. Um, it has a bunch of little seeds and it's very airy. It adds a very whimsical dimension to a bouquet. Um, like mentioned earlier, eucalyptus is a great one if you're in a warm climate. Everybody wants eucalyptus, so you can, um, you can be sure that everybody will be happy with that one. Boxwood is an example that I put up there. Now, boxwood is not something I actually grow. Boxwood is something that grows wild where I live in Washington, um, and it is a very good one. It's hardy and um, a good color that works well with my early spring stuff. So when my greenery isn't isn't ready yet, I can go out and use boxwood. The reason I put this up here on the screen is that um, I want you to be cognizant of the fact that you can go forage stuff. Like florists go and forage stuff all the time on the sides of the road, sides of the mountain, wherever you are. Think about what you have available in your area that you can use that you don't have to actually go and put the effort to plant the seeds and all that kind of stuff. 
The only trick to forging is that you have to do some test work ahead of time to make sure, like what we were just talking about with the ferns, you have to actually test it to make sure it's going to last in the vase and stuff like that. Um, Apple of Peru. Now, Apple of Peru is not the most beautiful greenery out there, um, but it is very bulky, I guess. Um, and so it's really good for things like farmer's market bouquets um, because it takes up a lot of space. People think it's really cool because it has these little balls that it grows on it. Um, so that one's a good one if you're going grocery store route or farmer's market route. Um, fennel is another one that we use. I use a lot of the herbs. So herbs from your garden that you're growing for your veggies already um, can transfer over and be used for bouquets a lot. And I actually really like to use the herbs because when, when you give someone a bouquet, the first, what's the first thing that they usually do? They smell it. Well, actually, probably 90% of the flowers that I grow don't have any smell. And so if I don't have a scented flower in the bouquet, if I put herbs in there, they're still getting a reward for smelling it. Um, so people actually really like that. Fennel is also another very airy kind of ingredient, um, and so it makes the bouquets quite whimsical. Sweet Annie. Um, Sweet Annie is one that if it's not ripe, it will be a nightmare for you, but if you wait till the late, in the, late in the fall, um, it can be a really good filler. Dusty Miller has kind of a gray color to it, um, so if you're doing a more formal event, a lot of times I'll use the Dusty Miller. Um, and then, I, like I said, herbs are great greenery. So there's, there's lots of options out there. The best thing for Nadia or somebody who's starting their farm is to look at these options or other options on a seed catalog or whatever and just choose like three, okay? Choose three and get started with those ones and then grow from there. You know, try different things every year and you'll find some that absolutely work for you and some that you're like, I will never grow this again. Um, it happens every time, but kind of the golden rule of, of starting a farm is just try stuff, you know? Um, so then we have focal flowers. Focal flowers are the ones that steal the show. They're the ones that everybody comes to you looking for. Um, so they're going to be your things like your dahlias, they're going to be anemones, they're going to be peonies, and different things like that. Um, so, something to think about when you're thinking about what focal flowers you want to grow um, is that oftentimes focal flowers are very season specific. Um, I was just listening to a very interesting book the other day. It's called um, My First Ladies, and it's the head florist for the White House from the Carter administration through like the early days of the Obama administration. Anyway, she, she was talking about, I think it was Mrs. Reagan, who was always asking for peonies in her bouquets. And the florist always had to tell her, Mrs. Reagan, peonies only bloom in May. So um, that's something that's really important for us to think about when we're planning our farms, is everybody's like, ooh, I want to grow peonies, but peonies only bloom in May. So um, let's see if I have a, a graph of this here. Okay, so um, early in the spring, you're going to have anemones. You can have anemones. Well, this is based off of my zone. So your zone might be a little bit different, but I grow in zone, um, like right on the edge of um, zone seven and zone six. Um, I started out in zone seven. I believe this chart is based on that. Um, so I can have anemones as early as March in my tunnel. And then um, I'll start with tulips in April, peonies bloom in May, irises also bloom in May, roses start in early June and go all the way through October. Same with cosmos. Um, if you start your cosmos really early, sometimes you can get them to start in May as well. Um, but they will go all the way. They're a cut and come again. We'll talk about that. Um, but they'll go all the way through the season. The one thing with cosmos is you have to do a couple successions with them, otherwise they get the mildew and um, then spread the mildew to all your other flowers. Um, lilies are from June to August, um, and they fill a, a kind of a little bit of an awkward time when you're ending all your other stuff and starting 
Um, some other things. The trick with lilies is not everybody likes lilies. So something that I found out um, by trial and error is that when somebody buys a subscription for you, it's really, really a good idea to talk to them before you start even um, making any bouquets for them and find out whether they're sen sensitive to different scents. Um, a lot of times people don't want lilies. Um, peony, uh, sweet peas and um, stock can also be a concern for people who don't want lilies. Um, just because the scent gives them allergies and then they have to give the bouquet away. Uh, rutabecchia is a good one from July to October. Um, sunflowers. I was just reading the other day, um, the Gardener's Workshop is a really good resource for uh, flower growers. And she starts her sunflowers six weeks before her la last frost. Um, and her goal is to have sunflowers by Mother's Day. Now, sunflowers are one that um, you have to plant once a week to have continuous harvest all through the season, but they're super, super helpful um, because everybody knows the sunflower, everybody likes the sunflower. So sunflowers can be um, July, June, July through October, or if you want to do some covering them at night and uncovering them, you may be able to stretch it all the way to May. Um, zinnias. Zinnias start in July and their production increases as the season goes um, and they go all the way until your first frost in the fall. And dahlias start just after the zinnias and they also go until your first frost. And then mums are um, a fall flower and so they will start about September and go through October. So that's kind of something for you to keep in mind when you're thinking about what kind of focal flowers you want to grow. Um, you don't want to just plant anemones and tulips because otherwise you get over here and you have nothing to offer them as far as focal flowers. Does that make sense? So you want to make sure that you have a smattering of these things. So maybe you have tulips and maybe you have cosmos and maybe you have sunflowers for your first year. Um, and then as you um, invest in some of the higher price items like peonies and roses, you can have those start to take over as well. That's kind of the bad news about focal flowers is that um, a lot of them are very expensive. It's $18, I believe, for a bare root for a peony. However, those will pay for themselves over the years. So you take an $18 peony root, you plant it, you have to wait three years before you can harvest it. But once it starts um, producing so that you can harvest it, it does bloom before year through three, but you're not supposed to um, harvest the flower before year three. Um, once it does start producing though, you get $3 a stem for a peony. Um, and so if you get, you know, 32 peonies off of one plant each season, that adds up over the years and you'll make way more profit than what you spent on that route. Um, same with dahlias. Dahlias divide every year, and so before you know it, you're, you have way more dahlias than you spent money on. So um, it's a really good investment, it just hurts a little bit to start. Um, so. Okay, so spikes add height and width to your bouquet. Um, it keeps your your bouquet interesting. A lot of the flowers that we work with are round shapes, right? Um, but with the spikes, we can add dimension to our bouquets. Um, and so what are some of the spike varieties that you think um, Nadia should consider growing in her garden? Sorry? Larkspur. That's a fantastic one. Foxglove? Very good. Snapdragon. Snapdragon stock. Gladiolus. Sorry? Gladiolus. Gladiolus. Those would be a good spike. Yeah, so those are all very good suggestions. Um, here's my top 10. 
Snapdragons. I live off of Snapdragons. I breathe Snapdragons. They are amazing. Um, I get all the different varieties. So um, there's Chantilly, there's Madame Butterfly, and there is um, Costa and Rocket um, are kind of some of my main ones. Now they all bloom at different times. So um, your Chantilly is going to be your first to bloom in the season and your Rocket is going to be the last to bloom in your season. Now you have to do successions of these guys um, over the summer, but just having the different varieties takes off some of that um, pressure to do a lot of successions because they just do it naturally. Um, stock is a very good one. Stock is a cool flower and we'll talk about this later. Um, but if you live in a hot zone, you're not going to be able to grow stock except maybe in the sp early spring um, or late fall. Delphiniums. Delphiniums are my favorite, absolute favorite flower. You don't find blue flowers very often um, in flower farming and so these are very special. Um, Persian cress. So I mentioned it in the greenery. It also can be used as a spike because it, it is very spiky. Um, so you don't necessarily always have to use a spike flower. Sometimes you can use a spike greenery in your bouquet and it adds the same dimension as a spike flower would. Foxglove um, is a good one. It grows best in a greenhouse. Um, Bells of Ireland, again, another greenery. And then Celosia is a good spike as well. All right. So there's just some examples of some of our spiky flowers. Um, so just a little a side note about snapdragons. You can see these guys are pretty tall. Um, and if you have a tunnel, they, snapdragons are super easy to grow. You can grow them outdoors. But if you have a tunnel, your snapdragons will double their size. Um, so I think those ones were about this tall, which is very fun when you're going for stem length. You know, you can really impress those florists if you walk in with snapdragons that are this tall. So um, this is an example. I, I don't know if you can see it very well, but this is the Persian crest in the bouquet. And you can see how it's, it adds that spiky kind of feel to it. Um, Okay, Erin Whimsey. So Erin Whimsey is another structure ingredient. It adds space to your bouquet. So um, yesterday I went to the soil building class and they were talking about clay um, and using the analogy of a cake. So a cake that um, wasn't mixed well or something that's gooey is going to be super dense and compact, right? Um, but a cake that has you know, some sort of um, raising ing ingredient um, is going to be a fluffy cake, right? Same kind of concept with Erin Whimsy. It's going to make your bouquet be more fluffy. Um, add more room to your bouquet so it doesn't feel dense and overcrowded all the time. Um, and I find that this is really key when you're trying to deal with a visually distracting bouquet. Um, if you're new to arranging flowers and stuff, it can be kind of overwhelming to find the right balance um, of how many flowers you're using. And so um, it can be easy to overload your bouquet with too many flowers. And then when you look at it, you don't know what to look, lo look at because there's so much going on in the bouquet. If you ever find that happening, Take out a whole bunch of flowers, add some Aaron Whimsy ingredients, and then add a few flowers back in. And I think it'll, um, at least I've found for myself, that it, it really calms things down. Um, so what are some Aaron Whimsy ingredients that you can think of off the top of your head? Baby's breath. Baby's breath. That's the most common one, right? I always wondered why baby's breath was way overused until I started making bouquets and I got my hands on some baby's breath one day and I was like, this is life changing. Uh, <laughs> so baby's breath is a good one. Queen Anne's lace is a very good one. I use that one all the time. Nigella is an Erin Whimsy. Um, this right here is Rudbeckia triloba. So this is um, Black Eyed Susan's but it's a branching variety and the flowers are only this big. 
Um, so that is a good one for farmer's market bouquets, grocery store bouquets, something where you need a bright feature in your, but still have that air and whimsy ingredient that takes up a lot of space. Sorry? Oh, love in a mist. Yeah, or nigella. Yeah. Um, so here you can see I did a wedding. Um, and she wanted it to be super simple, and she wanted it to, uh, like, she had a certain uh, limit on her budget and different things like that. And so we literally had, I think, three, three focal flowers in each jar, and the rest was pretty much baby's breath. Um, and it was a beautiful bouquet, but it was very cost effective for her. So Erin um, Whimsy can also add that economical, um, side of things to things if your customers have um, real limitations. Okay, so here's my top 10. Nigella, which is the love in a mist. Baby's breath. Cress. Again, that one's kind of showing up over and over again. Um, Cress is a really good one. Love in a puff. If you guys have never seen love in a puff, it is the cutest thing you've ever seen. Um, I wish I had a picture here, but it's a little green vine and it has these little puffy balls on it. Um, and it's just very, very whimsical. Um, but when you, see, when you open the dried seed pod late in the season and take out the seed, there's actually a heart embossed on each seed. Wow. So it's super cute. I love Love in a Puff. It needs a trellis, um, but it's very fun to grow. Um, grasses can be used as air and whimsy. So bunny tails is a really common one to use. Um, frosted explosion is another one and then what's the rage in weddings right now or at least the outgoing rage is um, pampas grass right so the very bohemian look pampas grass that's all air and whimsy um, again Queen Anne's lace chocolate lace it's um, also called Dara in a lot of seed catalogs um, and it's a version of Queen Anne's lace or it's a carrot um, so that one is very good for Erin Whimsy. It's in the chocolate colors. So if you're doing a dark bouquet and need some dark ingredients, um, chocolate lace is a good one. And then Rutabecchia triloba, I already mentioned. I'll take questions at the end. Um, the next ingredient that we have is filler. Um, and filler is an ingredient, it's kind of the catch-all category in our five ingredients of the bouquet. Like if it doesn't fit in any of the other categories, it's automatically a filler. Um, but it actually is a very necessary ingredient too because it's, it's like, you know, fills up all the spaces where you're not gonna put focal flowers. Um, and it doesn't take away from the focal flower. So that's what's key about that one. So my top 10 fillers are Feverfew, Carnations. I love the old versions of Carnations to grow. Um, Sweet William, Asters. Asters can be very fun. Um, there's one, I, I always get the name wrong, but it's like Valkyrie or something. And it's, I call it Crazy Asters because it's all spiky and people love it. Um, small Dahlias or Zinnias can act as a filler. Straw flower, sweet peas, and bachelor buttons. Okay, so in our example of Nadia starting her flower farm, um, I think we've given her a solid working list to go through and um, choose varieties to work with. So there's a couple of factors that will play into her decision. Um, as to what variety she actually chooses. Um, some of those things are color. Yesterday we had a class all about color theory and you really wanna pay attention to what colors you're using um, in your bouquet or in your garden. Um, because what happens is if you have, especially if you have a small farm, if you have a cool yellow snapdragon and you have a hot pink um, zinnia and you have a purple uh, scabiosa and then you have um, I don't know you get the picture though okay 
when you have if you have a small farm what you'll find is that especially when things start to bloom you're gonna have one or two of these one or two of these one or two of these and when you're trying to make them work together it's like confetti like there is no cohesiveness to your bouquet and so that's why I'm really on this train of like you really need to focus on what colors you want your farm to represent um, and so if you want to work with warm colors choose to only work with warm colors if you want to work with cool colors choose to only work with cool colors until you're at the size of a farm where you can handle doing both at the same time um, so that's one thing she's going to have to think about. Um, another thing is style. So if Nadia is thinking of being a wedding farmer florist, she's going to grow something very different than if she's thinking of going to farmer's market with her bouquets, okay? If she's going to farmer's market, she needs low-cost ingredients that are hardy and can you know be com combined with many different things so she's thinking about marigolds she's thinking about sunflowers she's thinking about um, zinnias and all those hearty ingredients okay over here if she's thinking about going into weddings she's gonna need to invest more money in the more elegant flowers so she's gonna go for more baby's breath she's gonna go for the dahlias and the peonies the higher investment course it's a high return on this end um, but she's not going to do as well with weddings if she's only growing zinnias and marigolds okay um, so those are kind of some things that she needs to evaluate um, the other major consideration that she's going to have to think about is the workload that any of these varieties might cause so let me explain about that um, let me catch up with my pictures here um, okay so there's three ma main categories of flowers um, there are the cut and come again the medium producers and the one hit wonders now the cut and come again are kind of your workhorses um, the more you cut them the more flowers they produce right so one or two plantings of these is sufficient and they can carry you all through season um, so some examples would be the bachelor buttons, um, zinnias, marigolds, cosmos, those kinds of things. Um, and then we have medium producers, um, which are going to bloom for several weeks, like six to eight weeks. Um, but then they do have an expiration. You'll see that the blooms get smaller. Um, they're not as like dense so you have less and less stems every time and it's really really hard for people who like their flowers to get rid of the plants at that point um, but it's actually necessary so the way to solve that is to plant lots of successions and then you have a new crop coming in you don't feel quite as bad about kicking the other one out um, so you need at least three plantings for medium producers if you want continuous harvest through the whole season and then one hit wonders um, things like stock um, it's one flower for every one seed okay so once you plant that seed you're gonna get one flower off of that once you cut that one flower that's it it's gone okay um, these are a lot of work obviously you have to keep planting every single week so that's what I mentioned with the sunflowers sunflowers are an example of a one hit wonder um, so you're going to want to plant them every single week. The nice thing about sunflowers is that you can, if you have a seeder, like a, an earthway seeder, you can direct seed them, um, and then it's not so much work to plant them every single week. Um, things like stock do have an expiration date just based on your t temperature in the summer. Um, but my suggestion to new farmers is always lean way into the cut and come agains lean away from the one hit wonders until you're a little bit more established of course go experiment with stuff and if you want to do one crop just to see what happens with stock or something um, you can totally do that you just have to account for that in your mind and be like okay well I'm only gonna have like a week or two of this and then it's gone um, so 
That's a good question. So she just asked me, where should I get my seeds? Um, and um, there's a lot of different things that we're going to talk about with where to get your seeds. Um, Johnny's Seeds is a very good place to look. Um, GeoSeed is another place to look. Johnny's Seed um, is a good place to start because they have pictures and things to work with. GeoSeed is a better option if you're going for a high volume of seeds. Um, the other thing is, is that right now with flower farming becoming so popular, um, yesterday in my class I, I was quoting some statistics, there's actually 6,464 new flower farmers this year that just applied for Aaron's um, scholarship for the Florette course. Um, so if you know that there's 6,000 new people applying to her course, there's other people who haven't applied for her course as well. So all that to say that these seeds <laughs> are getting to be, is, it's competitive to get your hands on seeds now. Um, and so you'll go to Johnny's and they'll be like completely out of seniors. And I'm like, what in the world? Um, so that's when you can go to other places like that do bulk seed orders like Geo. The problem with Geo is that right now their demand is so high that it, I think I just saw that they have a seven to 12, no. It's like up to seven week lead. So you have to order seven weeks ahead of when you want to plant, which is really crazy. Um, yes, Florette, she always is sold out. Yeah, so <laughs> what she's saying is that once she posts a variety, like it literally lasts for two minutes. And I've, I've experienced that, like literally sitting on her website, I want a variety. And then I go to refresh my page and it's all gone already. And it's crazy. So um, that's when going to some of these bulk places and planning ahead so that you get the seeds in time um, is a really big deal. Okay, so... Um, before we get to um, the specifics on ordering from GeoSeeds, because it's kind of overwhelming and complicated the first time you do it, so I want to walk you through that. Um, but before we get there, I want to talk to you about figuring out how many seeds you need to order, um, because it's really easy to have a heyday and go and order way too many seeds and then never be able to plant them. Um, so as an example, Nadia, how big is your plot that you're going to be working with? I think we have six beds that are three by eight. Okay. So she has six beds um, that are three feet wide and eight feet long, which is actually perfect. Um, but I have a formula that I use um, to figure out how many... Um, how many plants we're going to put in each bed. I want to just point out here, you can see that I have Hortonova netting laying on my bed while I'm planting. Um, unfortunately, this year it was straight out of the package, so we were having a really hard time with the, the wrinkled stuff. But <laughs> um, So Hortonova netting is, you'll see it used a lot with flower farmers to um, sustain their crops and keep them from being knocked over. Um, and... So, but what I use it for every day is planting. Each square is six inches. And so I'm spatially challenged. I cannot figure out what two inches is and what six inches is. And so um, it's very helpful for me to have a grid placed down on my bed and then I can be out there planting. I actually have I'm going down a rabbit trail, but this is important. I have a little tool. It's this long, and it has a little spike on the end, and it has a lever. So when I open the lever, it drops the plant. Um, and so for a lot of my bigger crops, for the small seedlings that we plant, it doesn't work so well because they go under the dirt and you can't find them. Um, but for my bigger plants like zinnias, we can be going at it and we're just going, marching down the, the bed with our little thing. One person throws the plant in, the other person um, spikes the ground, pulls the lever, pulls it up, goes in the next hole. You can do it really fast 
if you have a visual grid to work with where you know if you're doing a 12 inch spacing you're doing every other um, square if you're doing six inch spacing you're hitting every single square along the way so a very very helpful side note um, <laughs> so what you need to do to figure out how many seeds you need to order is measure your garden area. So you're going to actually go out there with a tape measure and figure out what's the length of your plot, what's the width of your plot, or if you're doing beds like Nadia, she knows that she has six beds, they're three feet wide, eight feet long, that's what you need to know. Okay, um, if you're just doing a garden area, you'll also need to, like, you'll do your overall garden area and then you'll measure in your beds and pathways and minus that from the equation and then you're gonna um, plug it into a seed calculator or into this formula so the formula is bed length times plants per linear foot equals the number of plants per bed okay so I'll let you guys take a picture of that very very important formula right there um, uh oh. Let's try this. Okay, so um, as a rule, when you're trying to figure this out, one hit wonders, you're going to plant them six inches or less apart. You can plant some of them, like Lysianthus, I think you can plant them as little as three inches apart, but six inches or less. Medium producers, those are the ones that you're going to need to do um, plant at least three plantings of over the summer. They're usually nine inches um, plant spacing. And then um, your cut and come again flowers are, are usually going to be recommended to be planted 12 to 18 inches. I, I never go more than 12 inches. Um, so this is good to keep in mind. Um, it simplifies things so that you don't have to go and look at every single seed packet every single time. If you are familiar with you know, what its production is, you can probably just generalize and fit it in one of those categories. Now here's an example of my grid. Okay, so here is, these are one foot squares. This is six inch squares. So this is a, um, yeah. So. Um, one hit wonder, we're going to have four plants per square foot. So there's six inch spacing. We can get four plants in this one square foot. Does that make sense? And then uh, medium producer, we're going to fit three plants in one square foot. And then cut and come again flowers, we're going to um, only get one plant in each square foot that we plant. Um, so when we know that, we know that in a linear foot, okay, so this direction, um, the number is going to be different. Um, so, um, let's see. A, a bed three feet wide, okay, yeah, this is what I'm trying to say. Uh, a bed three foot wide, that's going to be your linear foot. Um, and so we're going to have, so for a one hit wonder, one linear foot of bed is going to be it should be 12, I think. Three, six, yeah, four, yeah, 12. Um, and then for a medium producer, one linear foot is going to be nine. Um, and then a linear foot of cut and come again is going to be three. Does that make sense? Okay, so now we're going to plug these numbers into, a, um, into that formula. So, um, with Nadia's spacing, you said eight feet long, right? So what she can do, because she has such a small garden, um, is she can average. Okay, so I'm going to go for medium producers for her. She might grow some cut and come agains. She might grow some one hit wonders. But the average, the most common plant, is going to be her medium producer. Okay, so I'm just going to calculate how many seeds she needs based off of that number. So she has 8 feet times 12 plants. That's 12 linear feet. Um, is going to be nine, 96 plants per bed. So that would be, that's a, that's a one hit wonder. If she had an 
median producer, it would be 8 times 9, which would be 72. So she would be going for 72 as her average plants this per bed. Oh, sure enough. My sister is amazing. She makes all my slides for me, and then I look at them later. So sometimes I don't make the connection. <laughs> there we go. There's our median producers. Um, so your 72 would just be like a 72 one tray. Yes. So her comment is a 72 would be like a one tray of a, of a 72 size, um, and that's correct. Um, so and then cut and come again, that's going to be 24 plants per bed. But assuming that we're on um, the average of 72 plants per bed, then she can multiply that by 6, right? And figure out that she needs 500 plants for her 6 beds. Okay, so she's not going to order more than 500 seeds. Now, I think 500, I gave a little bit of leeway on that. Um, I don't think it's exactly 500, but <laughs> you do have to account for the fact that you're going to have some germination issues. You're going to have some plants that die. So having a few extra is not going to, you know, be harmful. But for her to go and, and order 600 plants when she only, you know, needs 500 max would be a little bit overboard. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to say about that. I don't know. But we'll move on. <laughs> okay, so Nadia was asking about where she needs to order her seeds from. And um, so seed companies to look at, Johnny Seeds, Select Seeds, Baker Creek Seeds, Florette Seeds, Glockner. Glockner sold out to um, Ball Seed Company this last year. Um, and so I think it's changed a little bit, but as far as I know, you can still set up an account just like you could um, if you were um, applying for a Fred Glockner account. The thing with, with that that oftentimes turns people off is that they have like this whole application where you can apply for a credit score. And you're like, I don't really want to get a loan to get your seeds. You don't have to actually fill that part out. Um, you can just put NA or whatever, and they will still accept you as a, an account. Now, um, it's kind of an interesting setup. They have a representative for each state, I believe, um, and each representative does things differently. Um, one of the very well-known representatives is Dave Dowling. Um, and I believe he's on the East Coast. He does a lot of educational stuff about growing flowers and stuff. Um, but there's some other representatives where um, you can set up an account and they won't even acknowledge you. And sometimes you have to like call them and find out if you actually have an account. So just because you don't get an answer from them, um, I guess what I'm saying is be persistent and assume the best <laughs> that you are actually in their system and can go ahead and order. Um, so calling them is great um, if you're not hearing from them. Geoseeds is where I order wholesale from. And here is what a Geoseed catalog looks like. Now I think you all have seen um, like Johnny Seeds and different things which are super fun to shop in because they have pictures, you can sort it according to cut flowers or border flowers or whatever you want, you know, what you're intending for your flowers. Um, and you can also shop by color now with Johnny's which is super fun because if you're a warm colors person, um, like literally I was shopping the other day and I was like, I want to see all their sunset colors. Okay, so then I could just go to Johnny's and look under their colors for their sunset colors. Um, this is not like that, obviously. <laughs> it's all black and white, and if you see here, it's all in scientific names. Those are snapdragons. Okay, and so it gets really overwhelming when you open this thing and it's a huge multi-page document and it's all in a lot of words. So, it's really simple though, you can do this. Open the seed catalog in your computer, hit Command F on your computer. Command F brings a search bar up. In any document that you're, you're in in your computer, Command F will always bring up a search bar and you can search 
any word in that document. Um, so, or if it's a if it's a Windows, it's Control F. If it's a Windows, she says it's a Control F. Thank you. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> so, um, what you can do, this is how I do it. I open a Google window. I search for the scientific name of Snapdragons, and it tells me Anturum, or however you say it. Okay. Then I'm going to copy and paste Anturum into the search bar up top. And then when I hit enter, it will take me to this header that says Anturum. Then this is your variety up here. This is Snapdragons. Anything that's under the bolded header is a variety of Snapdragon. Okay? So you can see for this one um, that there's Antiquity Mix, there's um, Black Prince, there's Bronze Dragon. These are all different types of Snapdragons. Now, here's a key thing that you need to know. You see this right here? Can you see that? It's kind of small. Those are scissors, okay? And this applies for any C catalog that you're looking at. If it doesn't have scissors by it, it's not a cut flower variety. Okay, so one year, I didn't actually know this at first, I bought Antiquity Mix. You know that they're only this tall. <laughs> so that was really disappointing because I had a whole bed of these Antiquity Mix that were this tall. But we did actually use them in mini bouquets. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so you're looking for this, the, um, the scissors icon. When you see the scissors icon, you know that it's a cut flower variety. It's tested, and you know that you can count on it to come through for you. Um, she's pointing out that it says 16 inches. That was not my experience at all. Um, yeah, so that's a border variety. Okay, so here's just, a, um, I guess, an illustration. Scientific name of Snapdragons. It's going to come up in the box, and then you're going to copy and paste it, I think. Um. Okay, here's the other confusing thing about using GeoSeeds. So they have, I wish this showed a whole page, but it doesn't. On this side, it's a packet. On this side, it's in thousands. M is a thousand seeds in this situation. Um, so don't get confused with million. Uh, it's actually a thousand seeds. So in this example, there are 1,000 seeds in a packet. You know? So the smallest packet that you can buy from them is $3.50 for a thousand seeds. Now, on this side, it's 2,000 at 270. Now this is not $2.70 for 2,000 seeds. This is $2.70 per thousand seeds. Okay, so you're going to have to multiply 270 to get, um, it's going to be four, wait, yeah. 540 um, for this pack of seeds. Okay, so you're going to have to do the math so that you know ahead of time exactly what you're doing. Does that make sense? I know it's as clear as mud, but you know, practice makes perfect. <laughs> there was one time where I went through and, and made my whole order and then realized I couldn't afford it. <laughs> okay, this is what the order form looks like. Okay, so you're going to go through on that catalog and look through things. You're going to put the variety name here. You're going to put what color you want. I think that's what this slide was about. Can you guys see that? You can't see that, can you? Okay, so it will tell you. So here's Madame Butterfly series, Snapdragons. Over here, it will tell you colors. So you can get a mix, or if you're doing your garden by color, you can get specific colors that you're looking for to grow, okay? So um, say I wanted bronze, okay? Then I would come to my order here, and I would put that I just want the bronze, okay? And then if you're getting a packet of seeds, you'll put how many packets you want here. If you're getting a packet, uh, if you're getting a th thousands of seeds, then you would put how many packets of thousands you want, or how many thousands you want. Um, 
And then, of course, here is just like you put the unit price and then you do the math for how many um, packets you're getting, and it gives you the total for your thing. So that's how that all works. Um, like I said, it's a little bit involved, but it is worth it if you're doing large orders of seeds because their prices are way better than ordering from somewhere like Johnny's. It's just paper order forms. You can email it to them. Um, that's what I do, is email it to them. You can also mail it to them, but it's better to email it. And their email is on the bottom. Um, oh, at the top, right here. So you can call it in, you can fax it in, or you can email it in to them. Okay, so where to order bulbs. Um, I don't get too far into this, but if you want to take a picture of this, this is um, some examples of places that you can look for bulbs. Edney Bulbs is the sister company to Fred Glockner. So if you have an account for Fred Glockner, then you automatically can order from Edney Bulbs. Um, local growers is my favorite, especially for dahlias. Like dahlias are so prolific that if you can support another local farmer in starting your own farm, I think it's way better than you know going for the big companies. Um, Jake Bent. Now, um, this is just an example, but Jake, Jake Bent has a Facebook group, um, and it's called Wholesale for the Small Cut Flower Farmer or something like that. Um, and Jake Bent is a flower farmer, and he wants wholesale prices, but small quantities of things. So what he's done is he orders pallet loads of different varieties, and he'll have discussions with people on his Facebook account um, about like what they're looking for. Do you got, are you guys interested in peonies this year? What kind of, um, these are my options for peonies. Which kind of um, peonies would you like? And then you get on there and you say, I really want three of the angel white, or I really want three of, and then he'll tally it all up order a whole palette of these things and then break it down and send it to you guys. Um, and so you can get the large bulk order price because he doesn't mark it up. Um, you can get the large bulk order price from him and get three peonies, um, which is not very common. There is downsides to this. <laughs> he is a farmer. He is very busy. And there was one time when <laughs> It had snowed, and I knew the snow was going to thaw, and so I wanted to get my peonies in, and my peonies still weren't there. I was afraid that it was going to get to be winter, winter, and I wasn't going to have my peonies yet. And I texted him. I was like, I really need my peonies. You know where they are. And he sends me a picture of boxes floor to ceiling in his shop for, like, ever. He's like, they're in there somewhere. <laughs> So thankfully, he was very nice and made sure that my shipment got out that week. Thankfully, mine was like only a few boxes into the pile. Um, but I'm just saying that if he has a lot to ship out, he's not necessarily sending them out in the time frame that you want. So you just have to you know, weigh your options. You want the good prices or you want the timeliness um, and make your decision based on that. Swan Islands, Triple Wren is a, is a flower farm in Washington. They have amazing dahlia crops. Um, your local dahlia society, like your um, master's gardeners, or um, there's actually a club of dahlia growers who grow dahlias for show. Um, and a lot of times they will do a joint sale um, in the spring. I buy off their extras. So after they've had their sale, um, they might have hundreds of tubers left over that people haven't bought. And so they'll talk to me and be like, hey, if you want to come look, you know, sometimes they have them labeled and sometimes they don't. So there's been times where I just get a mystery box and it's just a big box of a whole bunch of tubers, but I get them at a really good price. I get them at like a dollar a tuber instead of like three or five dollars a tuber. So that's something to look into. Floret obviously is a good place to order bulbs if you can get them. All right, so we've kind of covered three of the most basic questions. Do you know what time I'm done? 15, 10 more minutes. 
Now? No. Oh, okay, we're done. Uh, <laughs> if you guys want to know about when to plant um, your flowers, come talk to me. I would be happy to walk you through that. Um, there are tender annuals, there's hardy annuals, and tender annuals are the things like your zinnias that you can only plant at the time of planting as labeled on the seed packet. Hardy annuals are actually um, best planted in the fall and overwintered for spring crop. And then there's actually eight different planting times. Let me see if I can get this up for you guys to take a picture of. Oh, okay. So just real quick, um, 10 to 12 weeks before your last spring frost, six to eight weeks before your last spring frost, um, two weeks after the last spring frost, six weeks, 10 weeks and 14 weeks after the last frost, 16 weeks before your first fall frost, and six to eight weeks before your first fall frost. Those are your ideal planting times. Um, so just because your seed packet only has one date on it um, doesn't mean that you can't, um, you can't plant them at other times. So I have a book with me, it's called Cool Flowers. If you wanna take a look at it, you're welcome to, um, but it is a book I highly recommend you get, um, and it will help you understand a little bit better when the best planting times are for your zone. So um, let us, let's see, I think we have another class coming in. So if you have any questions, see me after class. Um, thank you so much for coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.